Good morning, home building friends. If you can grab your final coffee and if somebody can shut the back doors for the kitchen. If you hadn't noticed, Lou and Cheryl are not here this morning. Uh, so they will be back to continue his uh, attitudes, home builders, uh, home checkup. If, you'll, if you've been here for any length of time, you know that Lou regularly starts lessons and tries to get to 12.07 and finish and almost always continues the next week. So we kind of joke about that a little bit. Uh, so he'll finish that when he gets back. And what I'm going to work with you on today is some more pieces on home improvement. And we're going to look at that together through a different kind of lens today. But what I want to do first is I want you to think of some, or take a look at some uncommon objects. In Scripture, we often just glaze over things. I don't know what you are personally doing in your own faith walk. I don't know what your, cons your consumption for Scripture might look like. Every one of us are slightly different. I know in men's groups, sometimes some guys will say, well, I might read one or two verses a day. Some say I might read one or two chapters a week. Some say I read three or four chapters an hour. It doesn't matter what the pacing is. Whenever we read, if we're trying to just get to the finish line, what do we often do? What happens when you're reading to get to the finish line? You either forget or you lose the meaning. Or you might miss out on something that was there that you were supposed to see and didn't. Right now, I don't know where, where the church is. I know where we are. Uh, we're in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. How many of you are doing the chronology with the church? few of you are. If you're not, it's the first time I've ever read scripture the way it was supposed to be or the way they think that it was written from earliest to most present. And so... I'm doing chronology, and right now we're in Kings, and so I'm getting kind of frustrated. I don't think that I knew that Scripture repeats itself so many times. <laughs> Have you ever seen that before? Um, Jennifer and I will be reading 2 Kings, and then we'll go, and then the next thing says 2 Chronicles 26, and we're like, hold on, we just read that. That's exactly the same words. Maybe there was a message there we were supposed to pick up on, all right? But it does repeat itself a good bit. Um, take a look at the picture up there. Anybody know why those coffee cups have the slits on the bottom side, like you see? Anybody? Thought? Does they not leave a ring? Does it only leave a ring? They're made for one reason. They don't slide. Don't slide? Anybody else? They fit maybe differently in the cardboard? Anybody ever unloaded the dishwasher before? And had a little extra drip of water that drips all over your socks. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Those cups were made to shed the water in the dishwasher. Jennifer, get the next one. Did you know that the hole in the spaghetti strainer was made for what? One serving of noodles. Very good. I didn't know that until the other day. Jennifer, hit it again. Anybody ever seen these before? How many of you actually punch them out when you buy a new vat of aluminum foil? Not me. They're designed to hold the container in, or the, the roll, the spool in place. And they're right there in front of us. It's the simplest things. Hit again, Jennifer. What's the bottom drawer on your stove for? Some of you said it. At the Kirk house, they're for muffin tins and cookie sheets. Yes or no? What, were, what was Whirlpool's original design for? Warming cornbread and biscuits. Had no idea. It's right in front of us, the simplest things. Hit again. Anybody know what those are for when you pick them out of your electronics and your clothes and your shoes? What are they for? They're to keep moisture out of the product when you are purchasing it. Alright? Why do... Pen caps have holes in the tip. They can still breathe if it's swallowed, you can still breathe. I read this the other day. It is determined that 70% of us chew on pen caps. If you are guilty, let me see your hand. My hand is in the air. 
all right? And if you swallow or ingest one of those, they can pull it out and you can still be alive between the time that you ingest it and the time somebody <laughs> surgically removes it. Hit it again. Never paid attention to this before until the other day. What's the arrow for besides the gas pump? It's the side that your gas tank is on. Of course, if you shop for gasoline at Sam's Club, it's like a little war. I see if I can get as close. Our gas tank is on the uh, is on the driver's side, but I like to use the other side because nobody's in that line. And I stretch the pump, and I always get people going, what is he doing? You know, that kind of thing. And then it turns out Sam's did, in fact, lengthen the hose for just guys like me. That arrow is for your side of the gas tank. Didn't know this one. McDonald's was the original designer of those snap cups, oh, snap lids. Guess what the lid is actually for on those pieces? They're designed as a coaster. Hmm. All right? I've never taken my lid off. We usually get thrown in the trash can that way, but it's a built-in coaster designed to fit the cup. It began different. Didn't know this one. This is another one about McDonald's. How many of you have eaten a McFlurry before at McDonald's? Did you ever wonder why the spoon was square and hollow? Anybody know what they do with it? That is the stirrer. The spoon actually goes up in the machine, and that's actually what, what blends your ice cream and your toppings right there in front of us. Hey, again, why do coins in the U.S., like dimes and quarters, have ridged edges? So you can't shave off the metal. You can't shave off the metal is correct. When a lot of those coins were originally designed, thieves would shave off just a little bit of each coin, and over time would have a large collection to sell for free. So this was designed, and you'll notice that it's only the silver coins. The ones that were originally silver were our dimes and our quarters. Um, nickel has some copper and some silver, but not enough to make it worth it. So those were designed as a thief-proof mechanism. Didn't know this one. I've used thousands of these, uh, much to my kids' own chagrin. Composition notebooks. Why do they have margins with that red line on the left and right? Anybody know? You are a smart one. You are correct. Originally, the margins were designed to protect the things that you had written down because mice and rats would start chewing from the edges, and if it was important, your notes would still be in place. Hit again, number. All right, it's the last one. Sometimes there are things that are right in front of us that we don't even think about. And Scripture is no exception to that rule. We often will glaze over things or skip over it or minimize the importance. Or, and I've done it too, do it all the time, I'm just trying to get my five chapters in Check, I'm done. Okay? Sometimes we are just a good boy scout and want to finish and get to the finish line. But sometimes there are things that God wants to talk to us about if we'll stop and think a little bit. So they're right in front of us. Today we're going to look at home improvement, lessons from an unlikely character right in front of us. Her name is Rahab. You've heard her before. She has an adjective in front of her name. What is she? What is she, guys? She's a harlot. She's a prostitute. She's the world's oldest profession. But she changed history right in front of us. And we're going to look at her in a little more detail today. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask Donna to do an announcement. I'm going to kindly ask Donna that we just literally got internet access. I don't know if it'll come up or not, but I'm not sure what the announcements are. Um, Donna, is the microphone up here? I don't know where it went. It's on the stand. I don't know if that one works or not, but I know that one does. <laughs> we'll take care of announcements in just a moment for home builders. And then we'll have Mark come up and take care of our prayer and praise time. And then we'll convene with our lesson together. Let's pray together. Father, as we um, digest and open your word, uh, help us to consider things that we often skip. And then, Holy Spirit, would you illumine your own word 
for our benefit and your good. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Phil. I uh, lifted this from uh, uh, Pastor Jonathan's sermon, 1 John 4, 4. I'm going to read it to you, and then I'd like for us to try to repeat the last part of it together. Very familiar. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them, that's the false spirits in the world, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The last part, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Will you, will you say that with me? The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. When I was uh, doing a little research for this talk, I started thinking about things from definitely a man's perspective. Um, I don't know about you, if you're a man and you don't like to build things or tear things down, you're probably not a man. <laughs> That's a bold statement, but it's true. Uh, there are plenty of females that like to watch that stuff get torn up, but I, I like to destroy stuff. Men? Yes or no? I love to watch things fall. And I was mentioning that. I've done a lot of tree work. I don't do it professionally. I would never do it that way. You can't get paid enough. I was over at Lou's a couple weeks ago. He said, hey, can you get your saw and knock that tree down? I'm like, am I standing here? Do I have a saw in my truck? Well, absolutely. So we dropped a tree. It's only about 12 or so inches and dropped it in the yard. He said, I'm not. Yes, I'll do it. So he knocked it up. I love watching stuff get destroyed. I don't know why. Maybe it's hardwired, maybe it's not. But I also like building things. I mention that for this reason. Have you ever got caught before in a YouTube loop and you push, you're looking for one thing and you're loop, 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 and before you know it, you've watched 75 videos and none of them actually relate. <laughs> done that. How many of you done that before? Male or female? You've all done it. I know you have. Don't tell lies. Okay? I was looking for videos of implosions of buildings, and I found quite a few that I enjoyed. Jennifer, can you get the, uh, the next there? This is a tower in Germany. Uh, I chose this particular one because it took 12 seconds after seven weeks of planning to make this thing fall. It's 28 stories. It's an old apartment building. There are plenty of ones that you can find on YouTube. I love watching them come down. Actually, I like watching the accidents where they didn't come down the way they were supposed to before I watched the ones that would come down this way. But 12 seconds it took for this building to go from 28 stories of concrete and steel to a pile of useless rubble. Why would I be researching videos about imploding buildings? What happened in Jericho? You know the story? The walls, what? We, almost, we often think of it as a story. I have hundreds of times read it through. We started in the youngest of ages. I remember being in kids, uh, kid, the little kids' church, five, six years old, and hearing you know, the stories about the whale and the Jericho wall and all the other stories that the, the, the kids give. And then as a teenager, I remember going, hold on, they were just walking around the walls? Anybody ever do that before? How could this happen? They were just walking around the wall, and then the last day they walked around many times? Seven. Seven times, and then they did what? Yeah. They shouted. And then what? Did all of it fall? One section did not fall at all. Well, I have enough science in my background just to be dangerous as a scientist. But I often teach about the Tacoma Narrow Straits Bridge. It's out in Tacoma, Washington. It was built in 1942. Uh, it, was a, it was the longest span bridge on the planet for its day. And it lasted about six weeks. It was a beautiful <coughs> spectacle. All right. How did it fall in six Harmonic weeks? Harmonic frequency. The wind, just a small bit of wind, caused a sway, a small sway. And that small sway turned into something they called Galloping Gurdy. And Galloping Gurdy eventually led to the full destruction of this bridge. No one was killed except for a dog and a car. But the bridge literally rose and fell with the power of just a little bit of wind. And we didn't learn our lessons because in London, 
In 2000, they opened what's called the Millennium Walking Bridge. Same exact story, even more interesting though. We didn't learn our engineering lessons. Because what they learned, this is not a bridge for cars, but just a pedestrian bridge. After two days of this multi-million dollar project, people walking across the bridge, the harmonic sound of their footsteps, engineers said that bridge will fall unless we fix it. They never reopened it until they made some significant corrections to it. Is it possible that 120,000 soldiers marching in cadence could cause enough resonance? Now, we're not discounting what God can do. I'm just saying and suggesting there may have been a likely explanation for what happened. Now, there is no explanation except God himself for why Rahab's house did not fall. But if you had 120,000 soldiers that were marching seven times around, now the first six times were training, I think they were a faith exercise. Are you going to believe me or are you not? Joshua, get your troops moving. I think they were a faith-building exercise. On the seventh day, seven trips, and then the trumpet sounded enough to cause destruction like this. Let me set the story for you real quick. We're in Joshua 2, and you don't need to move there. This is Joshua 2, and 3, and 4, and 5, and 6. Joshua sent in a couple of what? He sent in a couple of spies on the land. I have no idea how they ended up at a prostitute's house. There's all kinds of questions I want to ask when I get to heaven. That's one of them. They went in the spy, but they ended up at that place? And did what? Okay. So there's all sorts of interesting questions that go there. In the course of them visiting this prostitute's house, they made a deal. They cut a deal together. What was the deal? Don't rat us out. Don't rat us out. We'll guarantee your safety. So the deal was made. The spies were hidden overnight. What happened when the king's men came to look for the spies? What did she do? She told a lie to protect them. It's almost kind of funny. Yeah, they went that way. They went over there. They're in the mountains. They must be. If you'll hurry, you can probably catch up with them. They're going the other way. The interesting part of this story for me, it didn't even happen until 1909. And that is when a German research excavation team, if you want to research it, I always tell my own kids in my own science class, don't believe me, here's where it came from. The group is called Gastang and Kenya, 1909. They were a German excavation team, and they were going to research what is known to be the world's oldest city. That's Jericho. They have since, this is 1907 to 1919, uncovered what they believe to be on the north wall, a section of the wall that is still standing as of today. Now, I'm not an archaeologist, but I know when brick burns, it leaves a certain ash behind. They uncovered that. What happened when Joshua's men went in after the walls fell? What did they do? Come on, guys, what did they do? Did they have some torches? Did they have some swords? Was anybody else remained in living quarters? No. They burned the whole place down. What did they do with the silver, the gold, the iron, the bronze? Come on, refresh your memory on the story. They took it to God's house. Except for one guy. This is another story. But what's the one guy who took something from himself? Achan. He took some things from himself. He was instructed not to. All right. But she and her family were spared. For what reason were they spared? This was a beacon of the Lord's favor. Just so that you know, do you remember who Rahab is? 
She's a special uh, relative to somebody. She's in the line of Jesus. She's directly in the line of Jesus himself. She's Boaz's mom. She's Boaz's mom is correct. She's David's great great grandmother. So the Lord found favor with her because she was willing to take a risk against her culture, against her people, and probably even against her own family. So today's talk, we're going to look at Rahab, and she gave her family some gifts. And I'm going to ask you to consider these gifts, and then we're going to do something a little different for this particular class at the end. We're going to kind of turn it back into a classroom. You'll see some yellow papers around. And in a few minutes, my wife is going to bring you a, uh, a ticket. And I'm going to ask you to do some on-the-paper ideas, getting the idea from your head onto paper so that others can see this. So today's talk is going to be about Rahab and her gifts for unimprovement. I'm going to read to you the, force of the, the last part of the story that we just read. Uh, remember, this is 15 and 16. Joshua said to the two men who had scouted the land, Go to the prostitute's house and bring the woman out there, out there and all who were with her. Who else was with her? Who else, guys? Remember? Her mother? Her father? Her brothers. Her brothers. And any, I'm guessing, any of their children. Just as you swore to her, so the young men who had scouted went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought out um, her whole family and settled them outside the camp of Israel. So what they knew on a Tuesday, we don't know if this was Tuesday, I'm just using for example, was 100% different from what happened on Wednesday. Brand new customs, brand new clothing, brand new family, brand new foods, brand new religion, brand new everything, all because of what she started. They burned the city and everything in it but they had the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. However, Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, her father's family, and all who belonged to her. Because she hid the messengers Joshua had sent to spy on Jericho. And she still lives in Israel today. Now, just so that you're aware, that's not today, right? That's as of the writing of this. She was still alive. So she was worshiping with Joshua and Joshua's clans all the way for the rest of her life. Can you move to number 17? She's mentioned in scripture a whole bunch of times. I think I found six different references and every single one of them says, Rahab the prostitute. Don't know why she couldn't shed that name, but I have a feeling that it was to remind us that we are all in need of something. She needed something. She needed physical salvation on the day that those walls fell. And nobody else was willing to take it. She, of course, she changed the course of history and she showed us faith in difficult times. And she continually blessed her family. We're going to move back to Josh 2. Josh 2 and 8 says, Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land. I don't know how she knew that, but she did. And the fear of you has fallen on us. So I'm guessing that us means everybody in her community. It was something that everybody was talking about. This was a fortified city, maybe up to 20,000 people, maybe more. I don't know how many were there. And everyone who lived in the land is panicking because of you. They could see outside the wall. This was a huge engineering feat to build this massive wall. So they say up to about, about two meters thick. So for those of you who are not on the metric system, that's about six and a half feet thick of a wall. All made of mud bricks. They were panicking. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you. And you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Shimon and Og, the two Amorite kings you completely destroyed across the Jordan. 
When we heard this, we lost heart. They lost their confidence. And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and earth below. So clearly, if they had social media, there's a lot of Twittering going on. A lot of Facebooking going on saying, did you see outside? What's going on over here? Have you heard about I guarantee you there was a lot of conversation in the city, and Rahab the prostitute was probably one who was the central hub for a lot of that communication. Maybe that's, that has something to do with why she was the one selected. I don't know. Rahab gave the gift of courage to her family. So we're going to look at some of those together. She gave some gifts. One of them was courage. She went against the culture. Now they knew that something was going to happen, but they didn't know when, and they didn't know how. So maybe they were having their little death plans. Oh, uh, well, we're just going to sit here and die. Together. I don't know. Maybe they were having some celebrations. This is our last meal. I don't know. But clearly the culture was frightened. Why was she the lonesome actor? Why was she the only one who understood what was going to happen? And she was crafty enough to make a deal. That piece is interesting alone. If she were a good citizen in Jericho, what would she have done? She would turn him in. If you had a known Russian spy right here in Lynchburg, would you invite them into your basement? I don't think I would. What would you do? I'd probably let the rest of us make a phone call. Rahab should have made a phone call. Say, hey guys, they're over there. Take care of them. But she did not. Verse 9 says that this gift that she gave is that courageous life. Everybody in Jericho was frightened, and they were of equal mind about the Israelites. Why didn't more people act on this understanding? They did not have what? They didn't have courage. They did not have the courage to move forward. Jenny, can you move to slide 20? She's playing my, she's riding, uh, she's uh, uh, driving back there because my little clicker battery is not working. Jericho was completely shut off. They were sequestered. Nobody getting in and nobody getting out. The interesting part about uh, the Jericho excavation of the late 1800s and early 1900s, you know they found grain stores that were more than 4,000 years old. They estimate that grain, they had more than enough food and water in the city to live for years. And with, with these fortified walls, and have no problem. They had waste disposal on their own, they had water supplies, and they had plenty of food storage. Um, I don't know if you can see it, and you can go look on your own. They were actually an opulent, wealthy city. The background of this slide right here is actual tile. There are more than 7 million of these tiles of every color you could possibly imagine that are still there today from the original city of Jericho. Mm -hmm. This is the King's Promenade area. There, this, this is only one small section that I just captured in on the floor because it was very, very interesting and intriguing. Obviously, I've darkened it. It's not that color. There's every single color of the rainbow is there that you can see today that they dug up in the early 1900s. So a very wealthy city. She welcomed the spies, and then she hides the spies, and then I've already mentioned to you once before, then she lies about the spies on their behalf. So the bounty hunters came looking, and where were our two spies? Where were they hiding? On the roof. Just on the roof of where? Probably under some flaps or grain stalks that were drying in the sun up on the edge of the wall so they could easily get down. I wonder if the section that was excavated in 1909 was where Rahab's house actually was. Don't know. For some reason, she understood that the Lord was with Israel. I don't know if that was from legend or lore or story or gossip. Who knows? What we do know is that she was the one. She was ready to do the right thing, even if she was the only one doing it. I like this phrase by Teddy Roosevelt. 
Knowing what's right doesn't mean very much unless you're willing to what? Unless you're willing to do what's right. We often will hear things. We hear things uh, from Lou on this stage here or from Jonathan over there or maybe from your favorite teaching pastor somewhere. We can hear it and soak it up, but what good is it if we don't actually act on it? We can soak in. It's time to sponge out in our action. That really is consistent with what James talks about with faith and what? Works. Now, you don't need works for salvation. Works is the fruit of our salvation. And I'm suggesting that Rahab is showing her fruit. She had the confidence that these men are going to follow through on their word. Did she know they would? She had no clue. She had no clue that they were going to say, ah, forget that. They let me go. Uh, when they get back, they're going to kill us. And I suspect some of the conversations she was having with her own mother and her own father, her own brothers and siblings and their kids. Maybe she was Aunt Rahab. I don't know. I doubt they were at her house because you know what she was. <laughs> Hello. But when the conversations were appropriate, this harlot is trying to say, i got to wait for you. Come to my house. And maybe they were argumentative. Maybe they were saying you were a fool. But somehow or another, they made it to her house. So she had cut a deal in her conversations with them. She understood what was right, and she took the right steps. So many of our own challenges on our callings for our life, which are different for everybody in this room, take a step of courage, a step of faith to walk out and do what's part of the calling. So is the question here really is, is there a challenge that you need to remember where God's calling is on you? Yours is very different from mine. All of ours is moving in the direction of building the kingdom. Though. So what is this thing? Is it a step of obedience? Yeah. Where is your need for courage like Rahab? Rahab also, uh, if you go to 21, Rahab also gave the gift of protection. Her courage gave rise to confidence, and her confidence positioned her to be the family's only and unlikely guardian. You know what she does for a living. She's probably well-dressed, probably you know, well-made up. I call makeup war paint. You know? I don't know what you call it in your house. I'm going to say, you don't have to get the war paint on. Uh, it's, it's the beautification. I'm sure she smelled fabulous. She had the best clothing, the best sheets, the best furniture, the best articles to fix dinner with. I'm sure she was a, a wealthy woman. All right. Her courage gave rise to confidence. Her confidence positioned her to be that guardian for her family. So she became their protector. And she did this at huge risk to herself. They could have turned her in and said, hey, she had the spies, and they could have killed her in open season. Of course, I'm sure she had plenty of, I'll say this delicately, customers um, that would, would have given her ample protection. But this was a huge risk for her to step out in protection. She had thousands of fellow citizens and friends, patrons, and other members of the community that she was working against for one thing. That's protection of herself and her own family. We already mentioned as a citizen, she should have done what? As a good citizen, she should have just turned them in. So what must the discussions have been like in that house? What must they have actually been like? Before work, after work, hearing work, daytime, nighttime. When did she go? How did she gather the allegiance to get these people in one place? She gave protection. Slide 22, man. Joshua 6, 22, 23. Joshua said of the two men who had scouted the land, go to the prostitute's house and bring the woman out. We've already read this part of there. And all who are with her. We think this story is often about Joshua. Joshua is the big hero. I don't know if you remember this song when you were a little kid. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Um, there's a, there's a, a little kid song. I don't even know if you still do it. Joshua brought down the walls of Jericho. Joshua brought down the walls of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua brought down the walls of Jericho. 
and they all came tumbling down. So Joshua is the hero of the day. He listened to the Lord. He got his men mustered. They obeyed. They did their walking routine. Maybe that resonance is what caused it. Maybe it was an earthquake. We have no way of knowing. But Joshua is the, the, the hero or the, the highlight of the story. But I'm going to suggest that we are the Rahab. We were the ones in need of saving. We were the ones in need to trust someone with something that we need most. I want to point you back to what happened across the wall over here just a little while ago in John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4. If it ain't about Jesus, who's it about? You remember that verse just a little while ago? How do we know if the Spirit is real? If it proclaims the name of Christ. And if it doesn't, it's what? It's demonic. Those are, that's, that's, that's what's real. So Joshua's the hero of the story, but we have the sordid past, and we have the need to be rescued. We are the prostitute of the story. Now, don't marinate on that too long, okay? She was well known for her sinful behavior, but God chose her. And then not only did he choose her, she chose to act in protection. Slide 23. We all, again, have that sordid past, and we all have the need for a Savior. None of us is out of God's reach. None of us is too far gone to get that protection that we need. Ephesians 2, 13. I'll make this on my slide behind me. But now in Christ Jesus, ye, uh, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, obviously, Christ hadn't made his way on the scene on this planet yet. But this was a picture of what was to come. I believe they call that a Christophany in Scripture. Those are foreshadows of Christ that is to come. The spies are to Rahab as Jesus is to us. Go to slide 24, please, eh? Um, she turned everyone, uh, she turned from everyone else, and it was her and her alone. Just like our own faith wall. You cannot transfer your faith to your children or to others. But you can model it and telegraph it through. That will not be their salvation. It must be one and one alone. So she got a new family and she got a full inheritance. She was fighting for a family. And this protection was difficult on her. So the question is, how can we fight for our family? What do we need to do to fight for those who are in our closest circles? Now, we make some choices. Maybe we make a choice for a spouse. But you don't make choices for children. You don't make choices about who you walk across most of the time. Those are people in your inner circle. And I'm going to suggest to you that they need your protection. So we have the courageous life. Honey, if you can go to 25. We go to the, if we, so we have the courageous life. We see the gift of protection or fighting for her family. And finally, we have the gift of faith. Her faith life was modeled. Uh, Rahab's third gift, this gift of faith, made a difference for the generations. Who did we say before she was? She was the second great-grandmother of? David. And David is in the direct line of? Jesus himself. Only God could write that story. Who would have picked a prostitute to be the great, 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 great grandmother of the Savior of the world? Only God himself. So Hebrews 30, uh, 11, 31, you've probably seen this one. This is the, uh, the, the faith walk. Uh, Rahab is mentioned directly. There are plenty of other men who said, uh, I think, the author of Hebrews even says, hey, I, I don't have time to tell you about this one, 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 but he does mention Rahab the prostitute by name. And what was it that she was acknowledged for? Her faith. Can I go to uh, slide 26 one, please? Matthew 1, verse 5 through 6. We mentioned this before. Salmon Father Boaz. 
by Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered who? David. King David. So her faith positioned her to be in the right place at the right time. I often wonder what hill she sat on a few uh, weeks or months later after Jericho. Josh had pulled uh, Josh Joshua had pulled all the uh, Hebrews uh, up on two mountains. One was a mountain of life, and one was a mountain of death. And they did the sacrifice routine and their regular celebrations, and then he read the entire law. I think there were, if I remember correctly, I think there were around two million of them at that one time. So I've got a microphone today, but Joshua didn't. The place where he sat was a natural amphitheater in Israel, and it is estimated that everybody could have heard. Women, children, men alike. They read the whole law. I often wonder where Rahab and her family were seated. Were they on the front row? I don't know. But I, I imagine they were on the, the life mountain, the beautiful mountain, and they were probably positioning by faith for their next steps. So her faith brought salvation, not only physical salvation, but eternal salvation to the entire family. Again, can you imagine the conversations that had to take place between her father, her siblings, and her mother, the whole membership of this family, for them to actually believe? I'm even thinking, fast forward, once the walls fell, and they're all in the house, I'm betting they still don't believe her. I'm betting they're going to, you know, maybe the mother and the father give their final kiss. We're going to wait here as soon as just a minute. And the door's going to get kicked in and we're all going to die by the sword. Until there was probably a knock at that door and who showed up? Who did Josh send? The same two spies that were on her roof underneath the weed or flax thatches. Hey guys, we made a deal. Let's go. Let's get out of here quickly because we're fixing to light the place on fire. What a moment of faith. After the walls fell, what happened next? Her exceptional faith saved her family. They witnessed the powerful movement of God right there on the spot. So she gave three gifts to her family. She gave the gift of courage. She gave the gift of protection. And she gave the perpetual gift to you and I even now, the gift of her faith, which led to our own salvation. Our family is the unit on this side of eternity for which we have the closest usual relationship. All right? They're our inner circle. And then the question then arises, how are we sharing these gifts for home improvement for our family? What I'd like to do in just a moment, 55, my wife is laughing and I can't even see her. <laughs> because every time I speak, she does the same thing. She said, you do what you do in school. You have 45 minutes and you plan 70 minutes worth of lesson. And that has happened today as well. But we're going to try this part anyway, even though we have five minutes. In a moment, I'm going to bring you a card. That card is going to have an A, a B, a C, or a D on it. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to do three of these. They're going to be one minute apiece. They're not hard. It might even be a place for you to meet somebody in this room that you haven't met before. We know that the red side rarely moves to the green side. And the green side rarely moves to the red side. Most of us are creatures of habit. If I'm sitting in this room, I like to sit right back there in that corner pocket. If I'm not doing something, that's my seat. All right? But once in a while, it's good to reconnect with others and make a new friend. So we're going to make a, a ply in just a moment. And this card is going to send you to a yellow piece of post-it note paper. Okay? And there's a bucket over here. Just standard, regular markers. And just what I'm going to ask you to do, this is A, this is B, that is C, and that is D. And I'm going to put up on the screen in a moment three items, three questions. One is about courage. One is about protection. And one is about faith. Three gifts that we have the ability to give. How are we going to part here? 
Hmm? I don't know how to do it. Ha, ha, ha. 
no, I'm not checking spelling.